Benjamin Franklin's success in politics came from his charisma and was supported by his broad knowledge, skills in diplomacy, and admirable quality. All of these made him a key figure in solving some of America's political crises that existed during his time. As Britain's manipulation and exploitation of America was getting stronger, conflicts between the colonies and Britain became increasingly intensified, and the desire for independence among the American people was growing. The colonies hence began to form armies to fight against Britain. In their war against Britain, America's leaders realized that in order for them to prevail in the struggle, support from and an alliance with France were indispensable. Hence, this required an envoy to be sent to France. It would be an extremely dangerous and complicated task, as France at the time was enjoying a rare moment of peace with Britain, so it was unlikely that they could be persuaded to support the colonies. The Second Continental Congress finally decided to appoint Franklin, who was over 70 years old at the time to accomplish this tough mission. Given his remarkable achievements in science and writing, he was the most famous and revered American in France. Thus, there was no American better equipped for this task. In 1776, Franklin traveled across the ocean to France while suffering from gout and kidney stones. As expected, Franklin was celebrated in France, and people even lined the streets hoping to get a glimpse of him. The difficulty of the negotiations has long been predicted, however Franklin showed his remarkable diplomatic skills in the process. On the one hand, he conveyed to the French people his desire for America's liberty, and arranged for inspiring documents from America, including the Constitution he had written for Pennsylvania, to be translated into French and published. By doing so, Franklin won support from the French people. On the other hand, he tried to persuade French officials by showing his analysis of their national interests. In his meeting with France's foreign minister, the Comte de Vergennes, he stressed that if France and her ally Spain joined the American cause, Britain would lose her colonies and possessions in the West Indies, and its commerce would be negatively affected, thus reducing it to a weak state. No doubt, this was very attractive to France, who had a long history of animosity against Britain. Later, Franklin took advantage of spies lurking around him, to make both France and Britain mistakenly believe that the other side was extremely eager to reach an agreement with America. Eventually, in December 1777, France agreed to fully recognize the national identity of the United States, and both parties signed trade and alliance agreements. On March 20, 1778, Louis XVI made the Franco-American treaties official by receiving the American ambassador at Versailles. In this way, Franklin had accomplished his task perfectly. The success of persuading France to support the United States was arguably the greatest diplomatic victory the United States had ever achieved, making it possible for the United States to win the War of Independence. However, for Franklin, as one of the five delegates to Britain, it was not the end, as a bigger challenge awaited him, the negotiation with Britain to bring the United States to true independence. As a master of diplomatic relationships, Franklin had long realized that, only by gaining the upper hand at the battlefield could he win at the negotiation table. In the war against Britain, there were two victories that provided America with such an opportunity. He had been able to negotiate an alliance with France, only after America won the Battle of Saratoga in 1777. The peace talks with Britain this time were made possible thanks to a decisive triumph in the last war between the British Army and the Franco-American coalition led by General Washington in 1781. 
In March 1782, peace negotiations between America and Britain officially began, but Franklin was facing a dilemma. The two sides had set a condition in their negotiations with France, that the United States would promise to work in diplomatic coordination with France, and not to negotiate with London alone. However, the British wanted to negotiate a peace settlement only through direct talks with America. At this moment, Franklin's remarkable diplomatic skills again played a huge role. On the surface, he pretended to act in coordination with the French, and took the British commissioner to Versailles to meet with France's foreign minister Vergennes, aiming to show his stance of alliance. However, on the other hand, he also ensured that private and direct peace negotiations with the British were in line with American interest. After many rounds of discussions and negotiations, hope finally aroused when the new British Prime Minister Shelburne came into office in July. Franklin promptly submitted a peace plan to Britain. It was approved by Shelburne who affirmed America's independence as a precondition to negotiations. On October 5, the official negotiations between America and Britain began. The proposed treaty was very similar to the one Franklin had drafted. The only additional point was a provision that both Britain and America would have free navigation rights on the Mississippi River. On November 30, 1782, the great moment for the American people finally came. Commissioners from both sides signed an official treaty, which contained a definitive statement that declared the United States to be free, sovereign and independent. America thus enjoyed hard-won independence. This great accomplishment was inseparable from Franklin's wisdom and efforts. As the author stated, with clear vision and a bit of conniving, Franklin had set the stage for the final negotiations that would end the Revolutionary War. After an eight-year political career overseas, Franklin finally returned to his homeland. However, America at that time was neither peaceful nor stable even after independence. Its 13 states were not only alienated, but sometimes caught in conflicts that came close to anarchism. People with foresight were aware of the urgent need for a new federal constitution. They proposed to hold a constitutional convention to establish a strong national government. In the summer of 1787, elites from each state gathered in Philadelphia to work on the Constitution of the United States. This was the well-known Constitutional Convention of 1787. Franklin was appointed as the delegate for Pennsylvania. The convention lasted for four months, because each state insisted on their own opinion, stance, and bias, leading to endless disagreements. Franklin was already 81 years old, twice the average age of the rest of the members. Still, his spirit of enlightenment, tolerance, amiable personality, and pragmatic compromise played an essential role in mediating different sides in the convention. In his view, both sides must part with some of their demands. Meanwhile, his amiable personality allowed him to mediate conflicts between different sides. The central issue of the convention was whether votes in the houses of Congress should be in proportion to the population of each state, or whether they should all be equal. Since it was related to the rights of each state, the debate became heated, threatening to break up the convention. Franklin took action. However, because of his poor health, he asked another delegate to read out loud the contents of a speech he had written in advance. The main idea was a plea that members should consult rather than contend, and come up with a solution together. Although he also offered a few suggestions in the speech, more important than his specific ideas was his tone of moderation and conciliation. 
he was willing to listen to multi-sided perspectives, take the time to allow tempers to cool down, and pulled people back to rational talks. Nonetheless, as the weather grew hotter, people's patience were fading away. Once again, Franklin came to propose a feasible solution, representatives to the lower house, who would be in charge of taxation and public spending, would be elected and apportioned by population. Meanwhile, an equal number of representatives to the upper house would be designated and sent by each state legislature. They would be responsible for approving the appointment of high-level officers and matters of state sovereignty. Based on this motion, the convention drew up the details and made a final resolution, taking into account requests from all sides. It was these carefully calibrated compromises and balances that created the ingenious system of the Constitution of the United States. It also fulfilled the motto on the nation's great seal, suggested by Franklin in 1776, out of many, one. In the closing ceremony of the convention, Franklin made another remarkable address, which was hailed by historians as the most remarkable performance in a remarkable life. He concluded the speech by pleading that, I cannot help expressing a wish that, every member of the convention who may still have objections to it, would with me on this occasion cast a little doubt on his own infallibility, show unanimity, and put his name to this instrument. When he finished, the delegates heeded his pleas and lined up by state delegation for the historical signing on the Constitution. You see, after endless compromises, an agreement was finally reached, and a national governance system was established. The convention was also named the Miracle at Philadelphia. For Franklin, it can be said that it was the best finale of his career. After the Constitutional Convention, Franklin officially retired from the political stage. Three years later, on April 17, 1790, Franklin passed away at 11 in the evening, at the age of 84. However, American people will never forget how the Founding Father had led the nation towards independence and unification. Indeed, from successfully negotiating with France and Britain to mediating the Constitutional Convention, Franklin's role in the foundation of the United States is paramount.